Amen. Good morning, church. Man, it is a good time to be at the harbor, right? Did you guys enjoy seeing those zip campers up here dancing? I know I did. They showed me they have a lot of work to do on my dance moves, so uh, join with me in, in getting a little bit better about that. So there's been a lot going on here at the harbor recently. Uh, while zip camp was happening, uh, my family and I were on vacation. We were at a little place. You may have never heard of it. Um, it's called Disney World. Anybody ever been to heard of this place? Some people call it the happiest place on earth. Um, I was astonished at how much fun we did have. Um, I've never had so much fun on so little sleep and so much sunburn. Like the combination of those two things didn't keep us from having a good time. Um, we really did. We had a great time. It was a special trip for, for me and my family in particular, though, because uh, we got to go with my parents. So my parents um, gifted this trip, and uh, our littles got to be with their nanny and grandpa, and it was a fun trip. This wasn't my first uh, experience with Disney World, though. I've been before about 15 years ago. I've actually been a couple times. Um, so I've had a lot of fun in my lifetime um, with Disney. This one was, was special, though, because we had the opportunity. We could just throw the kids uh, to Nani and Grandpa and go do our own thing, which we did a handful of times. So I would encourage you, if you're going to go to Disney World, do it that way. Um, <laughs> if you have the opportunity, it's great. Um, but what, what I found that we would do a lot as we're walking through the park, as we're uh, waiting in lines, going to restaurants and things like that, we're remembering back... A lot of the things that we experienced many years ago when we went to Disney World, lots changed, but a lot is still the same. Um, seeing some of the same characters, seeing new characters, jumping on some of our favorite rides, remembering, oh yeah, that was the ride you tricked me, um, said it wasn't going to be scary, but it was. Um, that happened a lot when I was a kid. Um, and things like that, right? Like we remembered a lot of stuff and we kind of had that shared experience as a family getting to go to Disney World. So getting to go back um, this summer was really, really special. And really, really enjoyed that. Um, and it, it made me think a lot about the relationship that I have with my parents. I have a great relationship with my parents. I'm really grateful um, for the relationship that I have with my parents. And um, it sheds a little bit of light on, on what I want us to talk about today, which is influence. Um, and when I look at my parents, I see them as some of the greatest influence in my life. Um, they've done a lot of really good. And you may be just like me. You may think, man, I've got a, a life, lifetime of stories to think about all the great things that my parents have done for me. Other, others of you, it's a, a parent-like figure who did that for you, who influenced you in some really good ways. And even for some of us in the room, maybe the influence wasn't, wasn't so good. Maybe it led to a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering in your life because of the influence that was given to you um, in your younger years. But nonetheless, right, we all know what it's like to be influenced, um, and I believe that God has created um, this order in life that, that we need somebody above us to influence us. And so we're going to talk about that parent-to-child influence and what that is and what that looks like and what it can be. Um, but I want to challenge you. Maybe you'd say, you know what, actually, I've already paid my dues in the parenting world. I'm like Nani and Grandpa, right? we got grandkids. We've moved on past that. Or you're like, hey, I'm too young. I'm in high school, things like that. I don't know what parenting is like. I would say the, the, the application and, and the truth of God's Word and what we're going to talk about today, it applies to all of us. So don't tune out. Um, look for um, um, the truth in it and, and see how it applies to you. And I think, I think we'll all come away with something this morning. And so uh, what we're actually going to do is we're going to read some words of a guy named Moses. Many of you guys are really familiar uh, with Moses in the Old Testament. Moses is the guy famously who led Israel out of slavery in Egypt, uh, parting the Red Sea to do so. And so uh, many of you guys have heard about him. But what we're going to pick up in Deuteronomy is right at the end of Moses' life. And Moses is going to share some words. It's kind of like his final instructions. The whole book of Deuteronomy really is like, uh, some would even call it Moses' like final sermon to the, 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 the people of Israel to give them kind of that final push 
um, before they get to the land that God promised them. And now you remember, um, they're coming out of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. God actually wanted to gift them this land a lot sooner, but they disobeyed. They kind of went their own way, and they had to deal with the punishment of that. And so they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they're ready to, to go into the promised land. And so anytime uh, we find somebody like Moses at this point in their life, like this is kind of like the last shot. This is like, man, whatever you got to say, here's your chance to say it. And so these are some heavy words, some really important words that we're going to read out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can flip your Bibles there. We're going to read verses 4 through 9, and it'll also be up on the screens. Oh, if you prefer to open up the YouVersion Bible app, you're always welcome to do that because the scripture is going to be found there as well um, so that you can follow along with us and take some notes. Um, but let's listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Moses says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. With all of your soul and with all of your strength, excuse me. Right? He's, he's taking some of these final instructions, these final moments, the final time that he has with, with Israel as he's about to hand over the baton of leadership of this nation. Uh, and he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. He said, man, if there's anything that is most important for you to remember, it's for you to love the Lord your God. He's, he's going to spend the, the words prior to this passage and even after this, he's going to remind them of the love that God has for them. He's going to remind them of the 400 years that they spent in slavery. He's going to remind them of the love and the mercy and the grace of God to, to pull them out of that and to walk along them. He's going to remind them of all the things that God did along the path to show him how much he loves them, how good he is, and how much he wants to see them flourish. He's going to remind them of all of those things. And he say, go into this land that I have given you and do not forget those things. And let the overflow of remembering that be this outpouring of love, that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. He's saying there's nothing more important. So much so that don't just hold on to that for yourselves, but instead, like, the people who are closest to you, the ones that I've entrusted to you, teach them that as well. Teach them how to do that. He says that should be on your heart. So he's not just saying this, is, this isn't like uh, textbook type stuff where you just need head knowledge of it. Let it sit all the way down into your heart. Let it affect the way that you live, the way you move, the way you breathe, everything that you do. Like this is most important. And he charges parents with the privilege and the responsibility of being the one that gets to influence the life of a child to that. And again, whether or not you're in that stage of life or not, um, man, the application is, is God wants us to be influencers. He wants us to be influencers. He wants us to find the life that God intends through loving the Lord and then pass that on to others. When we read about loving God throughout the scriptures, it's connected to, to something. It's connected to obedience. And you read about um, Israel's uh, history and you see that when they obey God, it goes really well for them. And when they disobey God, not so much. Right? Parents, you can relate to this, right? When your children are really obedient, it goes really well for them. They have a lot of privileges. 
They enjoy life a little bit more, but when they're disobedient, things start getting taken away, and, and life doesn't go well for them as much. O- obedience to God is a part of the pathway to the life that God intends, right? And when, when, when the scriptures talk about obedience, obedience to God is always followed with blessing, always followed with blessing. Now, blessing doesn't always mean that life is going to be really easy, or it's going to be the way that you wanted it, or the way that you thought it was going to turn out. But blessing follows obedience always. Again, we see it in, uh, in the history of Israel and the way that they, they, they follow God. And Moses' heart for his people is like, do not take the gift that God has given you, the promised land. Do not walk into the promised land and forget the, the one who gave you that gift, the one who brought you there. Because as soon as you forget it, life is going to continue to be hard. You're going to continue to experience the suffering that you experienced in the wandering. And parenting is the same way. Parenting is the same way. If we can pass that on to our children, for them to discover and find that the way that they can truly find life is through loving the Lord with everything. And they've got to see that in parents first. Um, again, Israel is a great, great example of this. Um, in order to, uh, to really believe that obedience leads to blessing, you have to rid uh, self. You have to get the, your, your own selfish ambition aside to really truly believe that, that doing something that God wants you to do over what you want to do is going to lead to that. So Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21, again, the whole book of Deuteronomy um, continues to shout this message, but in chapter 11, um, verse 21, uh, Moses continues to help us see like, exactly why he would say that, that this is more important than anything else. It's not about just setting up camp and, and kind of making the best life for you and your family unit. Um, he would say, he would repeat what he says in chapter uh, 6, in chapter 11, and he would go on to say, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to you to give to your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Right, God is giving the pathway. He's, he's paving the path to life and life abundant. Um, if you flip back, if you've been here for a few weeks, um, you may have been here on April the 15th. Um, one of our uh, pastors here, Craig McAndrews, taught on a message. He actually just recently wrote a book um, that's called Enlisted, A Battle Plan for Living the Abundant Life. And he taught in great detail. It's one of the best teachings I've ever heard on, on the passage John 10.10, 10, where it says, like, when Jesus makes the statement, he says, I came to give you life and life abundant. Like, the life that God intends to, to make available to you is one that is only available through Jesus. And it produces fruit that can't be produced in any other life. And when you learn and discover what that life is like, you say, yeah, I want that. Like, that's the life I want. And the more you discover that that's the life you want, you think, well, that's what I want, the life I want my children to have. That's, I want everybody to have that life. So um, if you weren't here on April the 15th, I'm going to send you back to that because we don't have time today to recover all that, we, that, that Craig taught us in that. I would also encourage you to go buy his book so that you can read in more detail and catch more of that. Um, you will greatly, greatly benefit from that. But all this to say... That when God says, I have a plan and I want you to do things my way, he's not just asking for this blind obedience to check, check boxes. Like He's giving us a pathway that actually leads to life. Like a life that cannot be found anywhere else. And it's really important to know that. Because if that's not the case, then there's no reason to put any hard work as a parent or as an influencer into influencing somebody else to walk that path. Because it's not an easy one. But if that's true... If that is the only path, 
then it makes sense that Moses would say what he's about to say as we continue in verse 7 of, the, of Deuteronomy 6. He says, impress them on your children, talking about the commands of God. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Make this the most important thing about your family. Make this the most important thing about your life. And make sure that you don't just hold it to yourself. Impress, right? To impress something, the definition of that, right, is to, to press into. It's kind of to shape or to mold. It's to, to influence. That's what influence is. Um, and, and I love the word impress. Uh, other translations would say to teach repeatedly. Um, I think that, that's a great description of this as well. But what I love about impress is it kind of implies that, that it's going to take a little bit of force at times. It's going to take a little bit of pushing. Maybe uh, more times, uh, sometimes it's going to be a little bit of forcefulness that's going to benefit your, your children. How many of you guys have that, that one kid, right, the stubborn child, right? I was that kid for my family. Yeah, that's, I, I, it's okay. It's okay for you to admit it, if, especially if they're not in here. That's okay for you to admit it. Um, like, I was that too, right? Sometimes you just got to push a little, a little bit harder than, than you think you should, um, but, it, but it's necessary, and what Moses is saying is that, hey, this command of loving God with everything in you isn't the default. It's not the default setting that your children are born with. Actually, it's the opposite. Like, this has to be impressed onto people. This has to be pushed. It has to be repeated. It has to be practiced. It has to be trained. It has to be celebrated. It has to become weaved in and out of everything that you do as a family. And with obedience to God's command comes blessing, which leads to this abundant life that's only made possible through God, right? Like, that's your role as a parent. That's your role as a parent, is to be the primary molder and shaper and influencer of your children. If you're an influencer of anybody, that's your role, is to help them see maybe what they cannot see for themselves so that they can experience what they need. So uh, in my house, we have a, a three-year-old now. Um, and one of my least favorite things about uh, raising a three-year-old is mealtime. Uh, mealtime, in my opinion, it's just a nightmare. I can't get our daughter to eat what she needs to eat, right? Uh, and we just had her birthday party, um, and we had cake and cupcakes and all this stuff. And I watch her. There's, uh, like Robert was talking, there's two kinds of book readers in the world. There's two kinds of cupcake eaters in the world, right? Those of you who uh, set aside the cake and just snarf down the icing, and then the flip side, those of us like me who wipe the icing off, throw it in the trash where it belongs, and eat the cake, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you, you know who you are, and you know which one is right and wrong, right? But here's, here's the truth about, about Everly, our three-year-old, is if left up to her, she would choose cupcakes and icing for every meal, every day for the rest of her life. And that is a terrible diet. That will lead to a terrible life. She will not last long on that. And I know that as her parent. She doesn't know that. All she knows is the taste of a cupcake. And she'll choose that over chicken and vegetables and mac and cheese and all that stuff. Um, but as a parent, I force her. Sometimes I have to impress into her that you need more food than just icing. And I force that on her because I'm looking further ahead. I'm looking at what she needs versus what she wants. And Moses is saying, hey, Israel, as you guys go into the promised land, don't just be consumed by what you want. Remember what you need. 
Remember who God is. Remember how good he's been to you. And if you'll remember that and you'll obey that God and you'll follow his plan and his path, it will go well for you. And I tell Everly, hey, if you eat your vegetables, you get a little protein here and there. Yeah, we'll have a, a few cupcakes on the back end too. Like it'll go well for you if you have a good diet in that. That's kind of a silly example, but it's a really a good representation of the reality, especially for children who at times will, will only be able to see what they want, not what they need. And it'll be really hard um, to, find, to find where um, they need to be. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 is, is something that came to mind as I was preparing for this because I think um, Jesus begins in his ministry to talk about um, the effects of a life that's just consumed by wants versus needs. And he says this. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it. I mean, Israel knows that better than anyone. They're making their way to the promised land. All of these things distracting them and catching their eyes. And you know what? Actually, I think I would rather do it this way instead of the way that you provided. And they end up spending 40 years wandering in the wilderness because they chose what they wanted versus what they needed what God was providing for them. And I think parenting is the same way. And what, what more, what, what would be better for our children or for those who are influencing than to see them walk along the narrow path, to do anything and everything so that we can see them choose the narrow path, the one that few find. While most of the world is out just consuming wants, and choosing to live life in the way that they want to, and missing out on what God wants to provide for them, their needs. As I was studying through some of this text, I found my way to a passage of scripture that I've read before, but I skipped over it a hundred times, and I didn't even recognize the guy's name. There's a a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Manoah. Uh, Manoah is actually the father of Samson. Many of you guys may know the story of Samson. And when you read the story of Samson, right before you really get into all the details about who Samson is, it tells this really quick story in um, Judges chapter 13 about uh, Samson's parents. And Samson's mom, actually, before he's born, um, is barren. She's not able to have children. And so they spend uh, their life together just knowing that that children's not going to be in the cards for them. And one day, Um, Out of the blue, an angel of the Lord comes to Samson's mom and says, guess what? You're going to have a boy. Um, And and, and you're not just going to have a boy, but I've got a plan for this boy. And God has a plan for this boy. And he's going to do great things for the kingdom of God and for Israel. And and the angel comes to her and tells her this. So she comes running back to Manoah, Samson's dad, soon to be dad. And it's like, you're not going to believe what just happened. Like an angel of the Lord just came to me. She doesn't recognize that it's an angel at first, but she says, a man of God comes to me, just came to me and said, we're going to have a boy. And, and, and he's going to have a purpose and it's going to be great. And, and I love Manoah's reaction because I think there's so much practical application to this for everybody in the room. Like they don't, at least they do, the scripture doesn't tell us, they don't start planning the gender reveal party just yet. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of excitement. I'm sure there was some nerves. I'm sure there's a lot of things that are going on in Manoah's head. But what it says is, it says that he drops to his knees in prayer and prays that God would bring that man of God back to him so that the man of God can teach them how to raise this son. Drops to his knees and prays that God would bring that man back. Manoah was thinking to himself, I don't have a clue how to be a dad. 
Actually, I spent the, our, our marriage thinking that this, is not, this isn't, I don't need to be a dad. It's just not for us. And now God's giving us this son. God, please bring him back so he can teach us. His desire was to raise up a child that would fulfill the purpose of God. And he knew that he couldn't do that on his own, and so he prayed. I mean, what practical application? I mean, when was the last time we faced a tough decision and we start trying to do things on our own instead of asking God to meet us there and teach us how to get through it? When was the last time? I mean, for me, it was probably yesterday, right? And, and, and I love that. Like, it's not, influence isn't about always knowing what to do. It's not about always knowing what to do in every situation. It's about knowing the right things to do at the right times. It's about knowing the right things at the right times, and, and I know that I'm never going to have all the right answers, and so I need to trust in God to be able to give me those answers and help me with that. I think we could be a lot more like Manoah. I think regardless of if you're a parent, like those who God wants you to influence to Jesus, to be transformed by him, man, we should be getting on our knees, and we should be asking for help. We shouldn't be trying to do it on our own. Uh, I've been in student ministry now for almost 10 years. I'm about to start my 10th year. And, man, it has been a roller coaster ride of fun. I've loved every second of it. And then I hope I'm here at the harbor as youth pastor 70 years from now. Um, it would be great. Um, and so, but in that time, I've, I've had a lot of experiences. And actually, the thing that's, that, that surprises me and stands out to me the most about my years in student ministry have been all the conversations that I've had with parents. And so, uh, way, actually, right after I started here at the harbor, I think I was probably 21 years old, something like that, soon to be married, newly married, somewhere right in there, I get a call from a mom, and she begins to just detail for me some of the things that are going on in their home, and some of the things that they're struggling at. They've got a teenage boy, and they're trying to figure some things out, and, and kind of make a game plan for how they can go forward, how they can help him, and really, really help him in, in, in a, a certain few areas. And she's going on and on. I'm trying to show some compassion and say some things. And then we get to the end of the conversation, and she asks me this. She says, what do you think I should do? And in my head, I kid you not, I'm thinking, lady, I'm 21 years old. I just got out of my teenage years, like just a few years ago. And I, I hope I kept my composure in that moment because honestly, I didn't know what to do. And we had a great conversation. We just started to talk through some scripture that came to mind of things that I thought applied. And we started to kind of craft this thing. And we prayed over the phone. And it was, it was an amazing conversation. But I didn't have the parenting advice. Like I didn't. Like we just had to, to, to lean on God's word and just begin to kind of figure it out. But what stood out to me is that, is that she called me thinking that, that I, I would be able to help her. And we partnered together to try and find a solution, to try and see what God would want them as a family to do with what was going on. And that has, that has stood out to me, and it's fueled my passion as a youth pastor to be a resource to parents as, as life goes on, as teenagers grow up and experience hardship and tragedy and joy and all the good and the bad. Like, it's fueled my passion to, to, to do that and to lead a ministry that's about that. But, but my encouragement to parents and to influencers is don't think that you have to do it all on your own. Be like Manoah. Drop to your knees in prayer and then seek guidance and counsel. And, 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 and has God not created an environment in the local church? Right? You just saw Zip Camp. There were over 100 kids came and participated in Zip Camp. And I would like to think that Every one of their parents thought, man, Zip Camp is not just an opportunity for fun. And I promise you, they had a ton of fun. You saw the video. But, man, this could be another step in the process of my student, my kid, my teenager, 
my child learning more about who God is and devoting themselves to him in a way that Moses is talking about, in a way that leads to this life and life abundant. And they saw an opportunity. They said, you know what? We're not going on vacation this week. We're not doing it. We're, we're going to be here. My kid's going to be a part of this. Man, I think that's so cool. I think that's, I think that's exactly what God designed. I think that's exactly what he wanted to see. I've had uh, hundreds of conversations with parents like that one I just talked about on the phone. I've, I've had uh, many, many conversations with parents. One uh, question that comes to me over and over and over again, I, I have this conversation, maybe more than I've had any other conversation, especially parents of teenagers, wrestles with this idea, especially if they're new to church, man, like, should I make my kid come to church? Should I force them? Like, they're really pushing back. They don't like it. They don't like the music. They don't like the youth pastor. I understand that. They don't, they don't like this or that. Like, there's, there's some natural pushback on that. And the conversation always continually comes back to this and talking about this. And my urging and my encouragement, although it's hard at times, is to say, what is the influence that you want to have on your child's life? And oftentimes it's out of this fear um, that, that they're going to later on in life push God away and church away. And, and, and it's, kind of a, it's kind of a contradictory way of thinking um, that, that we have to fight against as parents, right? We make our kids do homework because we know in society if they don't do well in school, it's going to be hard for them to, to make their way in the world. And so it's important, right? I mean, spiritually, it's no different. Like we, we bring our kids to church and we even at times we impress a little bit harder. We force a little bit. We say, hey, you're going to go to zip camp. You're going to go to youth group. You're going to do all these things because I'm looking at uh, needs versus wants. I'm looking a step further that my kids can't see for themselves. And so I'm going I'm I'm to make a long play. And I'm going to make a choice for you that you may not enjoy right now because I believe the opportunity for you to be influenced and to find something that's going to be eternal is found here. And you make that call and it's hard those are hard conversations, and sometimes you've got you to gotta have arguments, you've got to push through tears, you've got to do all that stuff, but it's worth it. And my question is, like, what's your aspiration for your kids? What's your aspiration for those you're influencing? Like, are you just okay with them being successful humans, making a lot of money one day, getting a college degree? Those are not bad things, being a successful business person. Not a bad thing. But if that's the only thing that you're aspiring for, your children... I think, that's, I think that's a low bar. I think the high bar is that our children would do exactly what Moses said in Deuteronomy 6, is that they would love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their strength. And they would have a relationship with God that gives them this full access to, to, to a relationship that, that is life-transforming, completely life-transforming. So ultimately, right, parenting is about that. It's about priorities. It's about wants versus needs. It's about the long play. It's about looking ahead and making decisions that can ultimately lead somebody to experiencing a life transformed by Jesus. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Start them off on the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they're not turning. Like, it's possible like God's saying that you can influence a life to be transformed for eternity. You can influence a life that can be transformed for an eternity. And I think that starts in the home. That starts with your children. It really doesn't matter how old your kids are. It starts there. What's your greatest hope for your kids? Are you hopeful that your kids will, 
will have a relationship with Jesus. And I understand for many of us here, maybe, maybe you're not quite there yet either. Maybe you haven't begun to live out or experience what Moses is talking about. Maybe you, haven't, you, you can't look back and see the goodness of God in certain ways. But as you do, my hope and my prayer would be the same is true for you, that you would begin to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. And that you would experience a life abundant that comes from that. Because it's the only way. It's the only way. I hope, I hope that there is um, challenge and encouragement that, that you feel it's okay sometimes to press. It's okay sometimes to, to repeat. It's okay to, to take that, that stance because uh, of the reward in the long term. My hope is that we here at the harbor would be excited and willing to be about raising families who love the Lord above all else. That when people come into our homes and when they come interact with our families and you have your neighbors over for dinner, it's like the description of Deuteronomy 6. They see it all over you and they see it all over your home. They see it all over your life. That that's what's most important. It's hard work. It's really hard work, but it's really worth it. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this day and this time that you've allowed us to be here to, uh, to get into your word, God, to see um, how you would want to challenge us, God, I believe that at some level, every one of us here, um, even if we're not a parent, God, we're an influencer. And, and, and you first and foremost, God, want us to find you for who you are, to see the love that you have for us, to see what you've done for us over the years, and to be compelled to return that love back to you, God, to be in this relationship that, that is both ways, God, where, where we are receiving your love and giving it back. And God, that we couldn't help but take our sphere of influence and bring them right along that path, God. And at times to impress it, to use a little force, to push when needed. God, so that people who are far from you, maybe even those in our family, can be drawn near to you and transformed. God, only you can do that. Only you can uh, pave that path for us. And so um, help us to continually find that, to be committed to that, to uh, hold each other accountable to that. God, I'm grateful for um, every life that's in this room. God, I pray that you would just continue to meet us right where we're at. We're grateful for who you are. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.